Daniel Thrasher is a YouTuber with over 3 million subscribers, and trust me when I tell you, he is one of the most unique people we have ever spoken to. From creating simple YouTube videos out of a passion with just his piano that consistently went viral over and over again, to now having a full-on team working on his million-dollar empire, making masterfully produced skits on YouTube about some of the most odd things you'll ever see, it's safe to say that Daniel is one of a kind. Well, in this video, we get an exclusive look into Daniel's extremely unique growth strategies, his unbelievable attention to detail and some other really unique aspects that you wouldn't believe. So if you're interested in this and you want more content exactly like it, make sure to subscribe because we post a brand new episode every single Sunday. So we'd love to have you a part of it. And now let's start the podcast. But before we go on to that, on a more serious note, we got to thank our sponsor FTX US. They've been a serious supporter and believer of the podcast and they've made an effort to sponsor almost every single one of our episodes and be a fantastic company to work with at the exact same time. Now, for those unaware, they're one of the largest U.S. regulated cryptocurrency exchanges in the world with millions of users who buy, sell, track, and trade both crypto and NFTs all in one place with fees that are up to 85% lower than the top competitors. And I think especially with crypto, a lot of people don't understand exactly how much money they're spending on fees because sometimes it's just baked into the price. But on FTX US, they really do their best to bring down the cost as much as possible to save you more money. They are soon launching FTX stocks where you're going to be able to trade stocks, crypto, and NFTs all in one platform. It's really going to be an incredible app. You guys should definitely check it out with that link down below. And just to circle back, seriously, guys, they've been supporting this podcast for a very long time and it means a lot. They help us do what we do for you guys every single Sunday. So if you guys want to help us out, you guys want to help FTX out, please download the app with that link down below in the description. And again, there's also a bonus of all the way up to $100, depending on how much you trade. So you may as well take advantage of that. It's pretty much like free money. So enjoy. The link is down below in the description. And now let's get back to the podcast. Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour. My name is Daniel Thrasher, and so far this podcast has made uh, $2,468,900.70. Very that's close. the farthest, actually, <laughs> we've ever got it. Yeah. <laughs> so you get an award for that. Yeah, well, $260,138, I think is what it is. Wow. My real, yeah. my legit guess would have been like a million dollars. No. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. It's ad revenue. Just ad revenue. Just ad, just ad revenue. revenue. Yeah, yes. just ad revenue. Oh, that doesn't include sponsors no, on this. No, no, no. We keep it. Ad, we've kept it ad revenue from the very beginning, so it's consistent because mm-hmm. that's how we started. That's fair. Yeah. I like that. Well, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I've watched yeah. your videos for I don't a few years now. I've really enjoyed wow, them. Jeez. Because you're one of the first people, at least as far as what I'm aware creating kind of skits around music and taking mm-hmm. the music element into comedy uh, at an angle that really not many people have done before, have they? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Seth Everman sort of kick-started this, like, memeified piano playing thing, but but I didn't notice anybody playing multiple characters around an instrument, and that's sort of the gap I wanted to fill. Um, like, I wanted to make sketch comedy for a long time. Like, I was stuck at 50K on YouTube for a while um, doing really elementary level like sketch comedy with my friends but everybody kept commenting like play more piano and once I combined those two things what I wanted to do with what they wanted me to do that's when like something really cool happened tell us your background you go to college where he's really good at the piano how (laughs) did this happen yeah I mean I you know when I was a kid like I whenever I would pass a piano store which exists I guess uh, uh, like I would have to play every single piano I saw because I needed to know how they sounded. And my parents saw that and um, gave me a keyboard, a little Casio keyboard when I was seven. Um, And so I've been obsessed 
ever since pretty much. Were but, you self-taught? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I took piano lessons for maybe two years. Mm-hmm. Um, then in middle school, I played in like the jazz band, which was fun. My sister begrudgingly would wake up. She was in high school and I was in middle school mm-hmm. and my school started before her. So she would have to groan, wake up and like get me to school before school even started so the jazz band could practice. They so, always do it so early. It always starts so, at like seven o'clock in the so, morning, it was right? Like six or something. Oh, insane. It was insane. Yeah. And, you know, um, shout out to Jennifer for letting me do that. Um, but I, yeah, mostly self-taught. Back then, I also played bagpipes competitively, which was a Are weird... Are you serious? Mm-hmm, yeah, very weird. Competitively? Competitive what? pipes. Uh, insert photo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? Um, How do you pick the bagpipes as a kid? <laughs> so like, I, I want to play so, that. Well, I didn't just, like, one day be like, you know, it'll be nice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, it, it's my middle school, Dunedin Middle School in, in Florida. Um, Dunedin, Florida is like the sister city to Scotland, is what they say. Mm. I don't know if there's a Dunedin in Scotland or if... I don't know, but but we had pipes as an option, and so I played bagpipes under uh, Mr. Sandy Keith, who was my uh, angry Scottish piping instructor, who called me a ninny far too frequently. <laughs> like, hmm. and like the word ninny really is an insult from a Scots. What does it mean? Like idiot ninny. I think so. Is, I it, don't know. is it offensive if you call someone an? an I don't think ninny? it's. A, I don't think it's offensive in like. You know, you can get canceled for it, kind of a thing. But I think yeah. it's offensive in in terms of like just when someone sincerely calls you a ninny and you're 14, <laughs> like it's probably not. Just wait best. 10 years. 10 years from now, we're gonna <laughs> yeah. look back and be like, he said the word ninny. He said canceled. Ninny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it's acceptable now. Just yeah, wait. Yeah, and everything comes out in the wash. So <laughs> you had friends that played bagpipes. Yeah, or your it was parents like a played bag. Is a group. It was a yeah. It was like the <laughs> middle school. Group. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, like we all wore kilts and went out. And <laughs> you wore kilts, of course. Wow. Did you get bullied as a kid? Or Dude, not, you okay? not enough, I don't not think. Enough. Like, <laughs> if I got bullied just a little bit more, I, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. Got <laughs> yeah. it. No, I, I no. I was I was always the class clown. Uh, so I think I was able to get away with a lot. Did you know I played tuba? No. Yeah. That makes sense though. Yes. From sixth grade through I think eleventh grade I played the tuba. Really? Yeah. You give me tuba vibes. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I picked the biggest, loudest instrument I could in middle school. Did you do marching grade. band at all? No. So you'd never got around to the Susan No, band? no, no, no. I, I, I had no interest in doing that because I think practice started around like 6 a.m., 6.30. Like it was really That's, early. It's awful, But I man. also did the jazz band, but the jazz band was, uh, I think, after school. So it started at like 3.30 or 4. So you could have theoretically been there from 6, six o'clock until like 5. Like five. <laughs> <laughs> 11 hours of school and music. Yeah, I wow. enjoyed it, but not enough to Do pursue that. it. Yeah. <laughs> what did you? What other hobbies did you have in, um, uh, at that time in your life? Gosh, drums. Really like drums. drums. Yeah, That's I actually so did cool. drums in the jazz band from seventh grade through I don't know ninth grade, something like that. That's sick. And uh, jazz drums yeah. hard. Yeah, it's fun. Can you still do it? No. <laughs> you <laughs> I forgot. That I, forgot. Yeah. You, you, I thought you so played drums all the time though. No, I play every now and then, but I'm nowhere near as good as I used mm. to be in high school. Yeah. You went from the the bagpipes yeah. into playing piano. Yeah, right? I, I, you know, I always played piano, but but I played bagpipes and piano, and at the same time, I think I was a drummer in a, in a church mm. band, like, um, and so I was just constantly, you know, wanting to jam, I guess, with people. But piano, I started 
I was always pretty good at it um, and very competitive. And so I would like, whenever I would see another kid in jazz band walk up on the piano, I'd be like, <laughs> let me show you. And then I'll like do something, try to do something fancier. What's interesting is I, I never like, okay, so I, I ended up going to a performing arts high school. So I went to a high school for musical theater, um, which was great. And then after that, I went to SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design for performing arts. But I started as a film major at SCAD mm. because I, you know, made videos um, in middle school for like English assignments and I really liked it and I thought I wanted to be a director um, but that was way too much paperwork apparently directors have to do a lot of paperwork and permits and like licenses and mm. you know renting vans and stuff I hate that um, but now that I'm older I realize that's like a producer's job uh, but anyway it's a lot of a lot of paperwork um, so I went back into performing arts in college and I wanted to build on top of a skill set that I already had. Yeah. And by performing arts, I mean like acting and, and um, being creative versus uh, like piano. People think I majored in piano in college. I didn't. I, I'm an actor first, which is weird. Hmm. Um, and uh, or I have the most training in, in acting. Um, piano just sort of was the way like the tool that I could use that would reach the most eyeballs um, to help me tell jokes with. What did you do right after college? Right after Make college. Sure work a yeah. job. So, so, you know, I majored in performing arts. I was lucky enough to be selected for the SCAD showcase. So they took me to L.A., New York, and Atlanta um, to, like, do scenes in front of agencies and management and stuff like that. And my manager found me in L.A. and wanted to sign me immediately. Um, and, you know, she represents, like, Nathan Kress, Freddie from My Carly. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And so he's in a couple of videos of mine for that no reason. Way. Yeah. And so, you know, and I grew up watching him mm -hmm. and had a big crush on Miranda Cosgrove. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want this one. Yeah, I want. Mm -hmm. the, um, I was I was lucky enough to be offered management in all three cities. Um, but L.A. just made the most sense. I'm, I'm from Florida, Florida boy. I love palm trees and stuff, you mm -hmm. know. So um, L.A. was the move. So I so I was signed in L.A. If I wasn't signed in L.A., I actually had a job lined up in Korea. Really? I was, going to, I was going to be one of like 13 people in the world hired for this thing called English Village. So basically, in South Korea, there is a little town modeled after like colonial Virginia, where it's just a bunch of white people, because foreigners are rare-ish out there, that all speak English. And so essentially, I would be a musical theater Dora the Explorer for Korean kids. I'd be like, hmm. what color is the <laughs> no. backpack? Like, no. you know, like, red. Red, that's right. Yeah, yeah like that, that would have been my gig. It yeah. was a two-year contract um, that I almost signed. You know, and as an, as an actor, like getting a job fresh out of college is right. rare. Yeah. You know, an acting job of any kind, of any kind is rare. And I was offered like this, two-year contract like that's crazy you know so was the pay good for for a theater i mean it was fine like i would have had housing accommodate i think it would have been like 30 grand a year or something maybe i could be wrong sorry if i'm giving away too much info i don't even know if the company's alive anymore but yeah i mean that plus like you know weeks of paid vacation weeks mm. of sick leave like you travel all around asia yeah. like that would have been a great gig fresh out of college mm. like young you know bright-eyed actor like that would have been great but then i got signed in la and i was like to do LA um, and it sucked for a couple years in LA mm. like I worked in coffee uh, I worked in ice cream shops coffee shop jobs restaurants stuff like that um, 
and I kept auditioning and I kept getting really close to stuff and I wouldn't get it. And then I would, you know, so. Could you tell us something you got really close to? Is there anything that we would know? Yeah. Like you got passed up and then like Daniel Radcliffe got it instead. <laughs> the boys. <laughs> no way. Yeah. For the lead guy. For the, for the, Wasn't that like a recent thing? Uh, relatively recent. I mean, the, the, um, what is name? that? Something Quaid. The that boys the, on Amazon. That was the thing Michael Reeves made the baby video for. Mm-hmm. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah that really? show. Yeah. yeah. The guy who loses his girlfriend in the first episode, I had to like do that scene at the audition, but I made it to the producer level. So you had, did you cry and whatnot? Tried to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, in the tape I did. And then, yeah, I think I had three auditions for that. And then, no, I mean, I've gotten close for a lot. I mean, like, yeah. like I'm, I'm really close right now to something that if I don't get it, I'll be surprised, but I can't talk about it. Is it big? It's very big. But it would be cool if it happens. And if it doesn't happen, that's cool, too. Um, I know they're watching my every move, so I'm being very vague. And uh, We're going to make you look good. Don't worry about it. I've, I've, yeah, it's all good. Please don't see this yeah. and, and so freak out. I'm not going public about it. You're still trying to, to do the acting thing, like mainstream acting. I mean, you know what's weird is like, I don't need to, right? Like I, like I make enough money and, I, and I'm you know, recognized on the street and stuff. And like, this is going to sound really hokey, um, but it's true. It's real. Every like birthday I've had, every 11-11 I've ever seen, every like little dandelion that I blow on or eye, eyelash that you wish on. Ever since I was 16, I watched this video from this guy, um, maybe you know him, he's the, he's the bald guy, bright blue eyes. Um, I think his name is Stephen James, or no, 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 no. Is that his name? Yeah, this is Project Life Mastery. Project Life Mastery, yeah. shout out Project Life Mastery. Yeah. I watched this video when I was younger that he said like your life should have a mission statement behind it. Like you should have a mission statement for your life distilled into one sentence, like what you really wanna do while you're alive. And I, and I found it um, years ago. And that sentence was, in my life I want to inspire and entertain millions of people to lead better lives for themselves and for others. And that's it, that's the sentence. And, I, and that's my wish at 11.11 and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Again, really hokey, whatever. But you know, I just wanna have a good impact. Uh, um, and so, I thought that was, that meant, you know, I would have to be on a TV show or, um, or I'd have to be Dora the Explorer in Korea, you know, <laughs> or like whatever. Yeah. But turns out I get to do that. And, and based on all the DMs I see on my Instagram, and I'm sure you get the same thing, you know, where I'm, you're turning people's lives around financially and, you know, I'm like inspiring people to pick up the piano or like if they have a hard day, they're watching my content. Like I now no longer feel the need that, that it has to come through as an acting job on like FX or Fox, you know, like for me, it's, it's now like I'm living it now. The, the, there are just like little itches I kind of want to scratch now. So like if I do get this mainstream thing, um, then that sort of scratches that itch and it will help me connect with people to, to entertain even more. Like it'll be like a, a different, um, expression of that and so that's great because i sincerely want to keep doing what i'm doing and i think i think spreading out and like touching all you know platforms like like even on a micro scale like you know i've only been doing youtube for Mm -hmm. so long but now i'm like picking up numbers on tiktok and instagram and facebook and stuff so you know to reach over to like mainstream tv or film um would just be another expression of like i don't need it but i yeah it'd be cool Tell us about your career on YouTube oh, and how yeah. you began to grow that. Jeez. Okay. Well, 
Created it when I was 13, January 6, 2007, I think is the date. Hmm. Um, 29 now, so I've been on there for a while. Um, I was able to quit my day job as a coffee shop guy um, on February 26, 2019. So it took a long time to, for me to figure out hmm. what I was doing. How it took off was I had a video called How I Accidentally Wrote the Office Theme Song. I remember that. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. everybody saw that. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. video. It's like 25 million views now, right? Is it? Yeah, Jeez. It's something crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that was a big thing. Um, and how'd you come up with that video? It was just a real story. <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't memeing. I wasn't <laughs> really? like, yeah, I no. you just making that up. No, I had a chord progression forever. Yeah. And it's a really common chord progression I realize now. But back then I was 19 and I, I made this video in college. And I was like, I was like, I want to tell the story about how one day I, I, I was playing this chord progression that I've been playing for years. Every pianist can relate to this. I think you go down, you sit down at the piano and you play the thing that you know or the thing that you wrote just everywhere you go. It's like the first thing you sit down and play because you're expecting someone to be like, what is that? And they'll be like, oh, it's something I wrote, (laughs) like whatever. (laughs) And so that was the thing that I did for a long time. And then I realized it was... um, the office theme song. <laughs> um, did you realize that or did someone point I realized it because um, I heard it on the TV in the living room and I didn't watch The Office mm-hmm. uh, back then. Um, I really didn't. Um, but yeah, what's funny about that is that truly was an accident. And then I did the How I Accidentally uh, or uh, my new series When You Accidentally Write Songs That Already Exist. So now I'm like purposefully doing it. Mm-hmm. But back then that was truly an in an accident. So when you're making a video like that, do you reverse engineer it? So you hear the song I do first now, and yeah. you're like, Oh, this would be a good song to make yeah. a video about or just like a poppy song. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll listen to like toxic by Britney Spears and I'll be like, how do I make that sound completely different? Or like, mm-hmm. how do I, how can I surprise somebody or trick somebody, somebody into listening to this and going like, Oh, that's cool. Mm. And be like, surprise. It's this, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. And that's the format of the video. It's those videos are really fun. Cause they're, they're easy to do. Um, and they're gamified. So like the, the person watching like gets to, you know, guess what the next song is. I think that's a really fun, like game that can be interactive and, you know, yeah. so what happened after that video got a ton of views? Did you realize like, wait a second, I quit my job. I could start doing this now. So the, the, um, first like office theme song thing was me doing like, like that video was at 600,000 views cause it was posted on Reddit and probably got 600 K views in a couple of months. That's when I was stuck at 50,000 subscribers and, um, I was doing regular sketches. And at that point, everybody was like, just make more piano stuff. When I did my first video where I played multiple characters around the instrument, it was called when you're a show off, which was based on a true story. Um, where I pretended not to know how to play the piano and then just went nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, that getting, you know, 80,000 views in like a week or a month or something at the time was huge because I was only doing two or 3,000 views. So what I did was I followed the data and I replicated that type of video. And within a couple of months, I was getting some sponsorship offers and stuff. I did an affiliate marketing deal with this company that still to this day pays like 1000 or $2,000 a, a month. But back then, that was as much as I made mm-hmm. In the coffee shop. From the same video? Sure. Yeah. From the same, from like, you know. Just who's, the, who's the affiliate? Uh, Floki. Floki? Yeah. It's a, it's a piano learning software. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Seems like a perfect affiliate. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, um, 
you know, and it's been a very long relationship with them. And I still, you know, I do sponsors with them still. They were my first ever. They're the reason why I was able to leave my coffee shop job. But mm. when I did that and then suddenly I'm making as much money on my side gig as I am my coffee shop job, I only made 1600 a month. Which coffee shop was it? Tiago on Hollywood and La Brea. Okay. And I love them. I love them so much. The, the, the jumping point was I got like a brand deal. Um, I think it was like $3,000 or $4,000 for like NordVPN or Audible or something like that. And um, it was my first sponsor sponsor. Mm-hmm. And when I was like, oh, I'm making now double on my side job mm-hmm. as I am in my main job. That's when I had to go to my boss and be like, I think I got to (laughs) quit. Like, I'm sorry. I think I have to go. Uh, Because then they locked in a second sponsor a month later. I was like, I'm good for the next six months. Um, I now have to, you know, and my boss was like, okay. And then I said, well, what happens if I'm terrified? Like, what happens if I, if I don't make it? And he goes, well, you just come back. That's, oh, that's nice. nice. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and his like ability to do, shout out to Santiago, yeah. Tiago Coffee Shop on the corner of Hollywood and La Brea. It's his coffee shop. Yeah. He's the owner. That's cool. And, and I love that place to death. And their food is really good. And yeah. their coffee is really good. If strong. you use the code Thrasher, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> 50 percent off your first coffee. Don't tell him that because he'll tell you no. Uh, but what did your parents think about this whole thing? They, uh, my dad didn't understand it. My mom, uh, you know, they didn't really. They were supportive ish. But it wasn't until a cousin of mine um, who did not know that he was related to me freaked out um, around my dad around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. My, my stepsisters were passing around a phone with like a new video of mine. Mm-hmm. And my cousin was coming down the stairs and he was like, oh, I know that guy. That's, you know, like, that's the funny piano guy. And they were like, that's our brother. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> and my dad saw that. Back then, I had 100,000 subscribers or so. My dad saw that and was like, oh, maybe my son is, a, you know, huh, maybe something's funny. happening. It's when, yeah, it's when your relatives, it's one of two things. It's when they see people freak out about you that they go, oh, okay, he's a thing. Or it's when they see the money. Is acting kind of similar to being a professional musician where you have to continually practice music to improve your skills? Like, what does practicing acting look like if you have to do that? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think, yes, uh, you do have to practice it. It's, it's, it's a couple of things. One, it's being comfortable when somebody, like, calls action and you hear the boop, boop, mm-hmm. you know, on the camera, like, and just being able to be all in so yeah that's a skill you have to keep going otherwise you get like anxious if you don't do it for a while but i think in my job like doing sketch comedy opposite myself gives me a huge opportunity to keep doing that you know and uh i have a team now that films me and Mm -hmm. and i watch the edits and stuff so i feel very confident and like that i'm still practicing you know but i do have an acting coach as well and what does that look like to to practice something like that just, like, does he give you some sort of script and he's like, okay, in this scene, oh, you're going to have to... Yeah. Well, I mean, I still audition as an actor out here mm-hmm. in LA. So, like, I'll, you know, do... I'll, I'll get an audition every once in a while. And I haven't been coached in a minute because I'm very, like, up to speed in terms of, like, knowing how to sell a joke and stuff just, mm-hmm. just from my own creative process. So you think that's enough practice right now? Just, like, right now, yeah. Because, like I, because I... Yeah, I, I, I would say so, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I write the script and I analyze it and I think, how am I going to play this? And then I do it. And then off the feedback on the audience, whether a video does well or not, I sort of am able to see, like, okay, did I 
do well enough or whatever. And I, it's just a matter of like being very confident with the material and mm -hmm. understanding it deeply. So like if you get a script and you don't fully understand it and you fake it, you're a bad actor. <laughs> like really? if there's a word in a script, like let's say, let's say you have to say the word, like stop being so obsequious and you don't know what the word obsequious means. Uh, and you say it without knowing what it means, chances are you're not, you're not a strong actor. You have to like understand the intention behind what you're saying, why you're saying it, what every single word means and what, you're being told as well. And do you break out like the actual acting skills as though you would be doing a big production That's in your YouTube question. videos or is it a different sort of like YouTube acting? On the good ones I do. Mm. <laughs> so like, so, so on the videos that perform the best, mm -hmm. those are the ones that I actually am, am working on. And like, I think the last time I did like proper like actor work on a script was the kid who could do this is dead. Now is a video that I shot in a church did a million views. It did, it did well, but I think it did well because I actually like sat down and like did actor work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and like developed characters and stuff. Um, but no, I think I'm, I think I'm just like so instinctive in the characters that I've created and have played for so long that I, that it's much faster and instinctive. That's interesting. You know, Graham's actually a pretty good actor. He can put on a face while we're filming and he can like definitely get intense at times. I am, on the other hand, a terrible, really? Give me a terrible, terrible, of, terrible of that. Of you? Uh, yeah. I, see, I like to play jokes, but uh, I start laughing. Dang. No, so you start laughing if I start laughing. You're good. You get, <laughs> you get mad at me because I'll laugh and yeah. then you'll laugh and then well, we'll ruin the scene. Yeah, like even today, I uh, called Jack 10 minutes before I got here. I'm like, hey man, we can't film here. They're not letting us in. They're telling us to leave. <gasps> yeah, but that but, is the <laughs> worst joke ever because like, why, why would Eric <laughs> kick us out? Like, he's really a good funny. friend of ours. Yeah, <laughs> just like a so, stressful like Yeah, yeah like, there's a lot of those stuff. jokes on Or me, yeah. he shows up and like the guest just canceled. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I drove all the way here. They canceled. See, I usually believe <laughs> yeah. it at first and then I think about it I'm like okay that doesn't actually make sense so your acting is good it's just the joke itself I could, I could probably improve on that yeah, yeah you yeah. just need a writer's room yeah that's all he needs to just pitch you practical yeah. jokes all day my favorite though is to hide behind a door and then film and then when they come over I'll be bah, and just pop out I like that a lot <laughs> get people scares that's very cute that's very cute I think I've seen videos of like puppies doing that with their owners like that's very that's what I do yeah you're gonna be such a cool dad oh my gosh I'll probably be terrible you think yeah because I, I love like the scaring control. I no I love the scare oh. <laughs> no control no I love the scaring aspect like, I put on a mask yeah <laughs> to get a reaction. he wants to horrify people he doesn't want it to be I like see. a joke so let's continue with the story yeah let's in West Philadelphia born and raised born and raised <laughs> sorry which story where, where was I what were we, talking, were we about? talking about like uh you're finally becoming financially stable with this and you, yeah. you drop you know you quit your job yeah. yeah I was able to quit my day job um, my boss was super cool with it. And then I, uh, then I started getting sponsors every month. Every sponsor I've ever worked with has renewed at an increase. Every sponsor. Yeah. Um, yeah. For a couple of years. Yeah. It just kept going up and up and up. And then I got to a townhouse. I, I was like, okay, well I'm making a lot of content, but at the time, I was sharing a tiny little, you know, a thousand square foot apartment in Hollywood with two other people. Um, and, you know, rent was cheap. It was 800 bucks a month on my end. But suddenly I was making like, you know, way more money. Um, 
And I was like, I need, I need to isolate myself because the last sketch that I shot in that apartment, there were four helicopters above my apartment, like ruining the sound. And I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> like, yeah. like I had my digital piano in my bedroom. My editing desk was in my bedroom. My bed was in my bedroom, <laughs> you know, like, and so I was shooting all my videos in my bedroom until I had like 500,000 subs, 600, mm. 700, like it was all maybe more, but when I left, I actually got this townhouse, a three-story townhouse that I was renting in Eagle Rock. And it was a really cool spot, but it's very quiet and very isolated. And I moved there intentionally because it was quiet hmm. in a quiet neighborhood. Um, in February of 2020. Wow. So, Jeez. okay. I was looking up articles before I moved to that townhouse about isolation and creativity. Because I saw a Bo Burnham special where he talked about like, you know, at the top of the special, he'll be like, Bo isolated himself for five years uh, to focus on his comedy. And I was like, I think I want to do that. And there's a book called um, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle that talks about Ray LaMontagne, the singer who um, pretty much locked himself up in a house for like six months to a year with nothing but like old Ray Charles albums and Otis Redding albums. And he like became this crazy musician. So I had this, I sort of fantasized about about um, isolating myself and like going crazy for YouTube. And so I got this really quiet three-story townhouse in um, Eagle Rock and then the pandemic happened in March of 2020. And what was elective isolation turned into forced isolation. Mm. And so I got kind of agoraphobic after a while. But aside from that, I had really good content for a long time. (laughs) That's... (laughs) That's how the accidentally series happened. So and like, when you were isolating, were you like not talking to people or I were you not, not going outside? Like how did that work? I mean, you know, when you're in a tiny apartment with two other people and you walk to the grocery store and everything's close by, I walk to the coffee shop, I walk to the gym, blah, 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 in Hollywood versus everything is a five minute drive. Even going to Starbucks would be like a five minute drive. Hmm. Um, you know, the grocery store was like 10 minutes away. For me, that was very isolating. And... You know, back then I would deliver groceries through um, through uh, Amazon Fresh sure. and stuff. So I was just very, you know, I was just very isolated and crazy. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, when I hired my assistant um, at the time, my first hire ever, Lee, that's when I started chipping out of the isolation a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. What was your work schedule like? My work schedule was like I would try to write in the morning from 10 to 2 p.m. And then I would try to shoot from 3 to 5. So I would give myself four hours to write the script and two hours to shoot it. And then the next day I would try to edit the whole thing in eight hours. Um, But those were when my videos were a lot shorter. Mm -hmm. They're they're a little bit longer now, but that wasn't sustainable. Because because when I was completely by myself before I got my assistant, um, I... The reason when I asked Lee to join the team, it was because I was like, I have one week left in this month. I have four sponsors and four videos to make. So I had nothing done. Mm -hmm. I have ADHD really bad, which is why I drink cold brew all the time. I feel like it medicates me. Shout out Bankroll Coffee Co, baby. Bankrollcoffee.com. This is from my house, by the way. I brought this. He didn't (laughs) tell me to bring this. He was surprised I brought this. Yeah, I saw this. I'm like, wait, what? That's so crazy. That's so cool you brought it. Yeah, he sent me like a gift basket kind yeah. of a thing of all of his stuff and and yeah, uh, cool it's so i Thank love you. this thing too because the straw doesn't fall out yep 
anyway, yeah, get these. They're so good. Um, <laughs> even for just for drinking water, it's great. Yeah. Bankrollcoffee.com. Yeah. Got to always be plugging. So I was really procrastinating and I was a horrible, <clears throat> I, was an, I was a horrible employee to myself. And then that's when I started outsourcing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was wild. What did your first assistant do? Like what was part of the job description? Everything, man, yeah. everything. He, you know, he, he was a writer himself. Lee is very talented. He's, he's a writer. He's a voice actor. Um, uh, he's very funny. And so he would help me write scripts. He would help me generate ideas. He would also help like clean up the house with me. Um, uh, he would help give me feedback on my editing. Like, you know, does this joke land? Does that land? He was just an all around dude, you know? How'd was you he just him? Monday through Friday, like nine to five type deal? Or was it more like <laughs> At a- the time, I think it was four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Because mm. um, I realized I wanted Wednesdays off and Saturday, Sundays off. But it took a long time for me to, now I have a team of six people. Um, Seven-ish, if you include, um, I had an intern for a second, which is cool. Um, but, you know, and those are full-time employees. Those don't count like the people from <coughs> Mythical and like my brand right. manager and stuff like that. So now I actually feel like I have a work-life balance, but it took me years to find a good work-life See, balance. I hear seven people. I'm like, what do they all do? Yeah. What do they do? Yeah. I can tell you. All right. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I have a production manager, Jackie. She's great. And what, is, what does she do? She, so, so I'll just outline the title. So yeah. I have a production manager, an assistant, um, a creative producer, two editors, uh, a videographer. Okay. So that's the six. That's yeah. the main six. Um, and so Jackie, my production manager, she goes through and she, she schedules everybody to do everything and she'll check in with the editors. She'll be like, where are we on this? Where are we on that? And she talks to my brand manager. She's like, when do you need the, these deadlines by? And it's so frequent. It's so many phone calls, so many. And I'm horrible. Like ever since I was a kid, uh, my teachers would be like, he's terrible with time management. Mm. I need somebody who's really good at it to be, you know. And we flew her out from, we found her in Orlando. We flew her out from Orlando. She lives in LA now. She's fantastic. I would be, you know, horrible. <laughs> like she's been such a great addition to the team. Mm. Um, and she, so she makes everything easy. Lee, my assistant, like my, like, you know, he does a lot of assistant stuff, but he also does a lot of creative stuff. So right now he's sort of helping, um, like I'm going to drop merch pretty soon. I've never dropped merch ever. I have a collective audience of over 5 million people now. And I I've never done a, a solid merch run. Sure. So he's helping streamline that with like, he's helping like hire, um, graphic artists for that. And, and there's another side project that he's doing. And also, you know, stuff like, like um, talking to the housekeepers to go by the house and make sure it's clean because if it's dirty, then I can't think and I'm not, you know, just all kinds of... He's like kind of a house manager also. Okay. Like we had solar panels installed. I can't keep getting on the phone with the electric company, just stuff like that. He handles that. Jackie handles doing everything employee-related. My creative producer, Scott, um, helps generate ideas and he'll sometimes write a first draft of a script and then I'll go through and talk to him about it. And he gives notes on all the videos. Mm -hmm. My pipeline right now is don't show me anything until it's the very best version you think is possible. And then I will give you notes on it. But until then I don't want to hear anything until it's done. Mm -hmm. Cause I have like really bad, uh, attention problems. (laughs) See, but the thing is, it's like, I put myself in that position and I think, if I were responsible for writing scripts and mm-hmm. stuff like that, I feel like I could do like 
three a day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then I look at your video output and it's like, what is it at? Like one a week. week? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, are you just extremely selective? Does he present you with a ton of ideas and you just pick like one of 50 a week or something? Yeah. On my phone, I have a, um, and also my scripts are highly scripted, Mm -hmm. like set up punchline, set up punchline, set up, you know, it's, it's, it's jokes to me are like math. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. music. It has yeah. to sound just right. It has to, one word too many will ruin a joke. Um, and, you know, not that my stuff is heady or anything, but, but just to like get a good laugh out of somebody, it's got to be clean. It's got to be perfect. Um, anyway, but I have this, I have a. Can you show us some examples of like. A, like this is a, it's a thousand video ideas. What? Can on, I just take yeah, a look? Yeah, go ahead. Can we, can we read off a video idea? One random one? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Five, seven, three. Straightening my hair and making a sketch about it. Explain at top that quarantine has made your hair hella long and there's nothing you could do about it. So now you want to straighten your hair, see what it looks like, and make a sketch based on the character you come up with. And I did make a sketch based on that character. His name was Bryler, and that video got a couple million views. Wait, so why a thousand? Is this just like what you built up over time? Yeah. So, So anytime I have an idea... I love this one. 827, when you change an instrument and it changes your whole personality. Did that's you do funny. that one? That's actually really I funny. never made that one. I should. You should. You think so? Oh my gosh. That's a really good one. You could do so much with that. That's, from, yeah. that's a From like the yeah. saxophone and like yeah. being really good at math, let's yeah, just yeah, say. Yeah, and yeah. Playing the tuba and be like, oh, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. I'm going to go there. <laughs> that's the perfect. guitar and like have like five women yeah. just like pandering. Yeah, that's great. The drummer talking over everybody. Yeah. So <laughs> The bass player alone in the corner. Like, dude, yeah. You could do so much with that. I'm cool. All right, that's a great idea. I love that idea. All right, yeah. so let's let's pick one more. All right, that was my favorite one so sure, far. Sure, sure. Uh, oh my gosh, you have more than a thousand. Yeah, uh, and this is just mine. I have a team of people who have ideas on separate platforms as well, like on Google Docs. The law school Amber Heard's lawyer went to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's pretty obvious why I didn't make that because everybody was making that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. When you suck at setting boundaries, I mean, there were there were some really. I love the instrument changing personality. Yeah, because I yeah. feel like you. Every it's, it's everyone great. who plays an instrument is going to want to watch to see what's my personality. What do, what do yeah, I do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think for me, like my big thing with my team, also like when we're brainstorming ideas, is get get even the horrible ones write them down because mm. there's a reason why you thought of the horrible one you know like mm. like like just write your worst ideas down and i bet you can't have 50 terrible ideas in a row i bet you can't one of them is accidentally going to be pretty good and then build on top of that you know i challenge you to write 50 horrible ideas back to back cuz one of them is going to be amazing mm. that's my creative process so how's your schedule different now than it was oh, so back then oh it's so much better like, how much were you working back then versus today back then i was killing myself yeah i was i was working until i would forget to eat and i would be nauseous because i forgot to eat like it was horrible um, now that i have two editors well two and a half editors um, my videographer is a flex PA type situation. Um, how's the schedule different? Is that what you said? Yeah. Like how yeah. many hours are you working? How many so, days? So we do a different now? thing now. Uh, like shout out to mythical, um, uh, good mythical morning, mythical entertainment. They invested in me and, um, and help guide me to like create a better work life balance. Um, and like part of that was hiring my production manager and they, I don't know if this is secret sauce or not. I don't think it is, but they want me to do batch shooting. So like it'll be three weeks of prep and then one week of shooting. So I only have to pulling out the camera gear and then putting it away every single day. 
was more taxing than I thought it was, I guess. Mm. Um, so if we have three weeks of prep, then we could really comb through the scripts and comb through the music and make it perfect. So that way when we shoot, we're much more efficient. And then, you know, we'll come out with like five videos in that week and then I hand it off to the editors and then they, they do that. And then I have three weeks of prep slash reviewing edits from the last month. So that's my new, my new schedule. So if you film mm-hmm. for one week and you get five videos out of that, it's mm-hmm. like one video per day? Uh, yeah, for that week, yeah. But, but what we do is on Monday we shoot all the ads. I probably have about four <laughs> ads a month. So I'll shoot all my advertisements on Monday. Um, and then on Tuesday we have a long time to focus on the script in the morning and then shoot the main video Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it's... Um, but your videos are like three, four minutes long. So that's like... I'm very are you particular. Doing many, many takes of yeah. each. Yeah, I'm really, really particular wow. about it. Yeah. Uh, a two-minute video is probably two and a half hours of footage. Really? Yeah. See, for me, I would film for probably about an hour and a half, two hours for a 15-minute video. That's insane. <laughs> but maybe, maybe I'm just not as picky or just, do, you, do, you, like, do you ever mispronounce words? or No. No? No, it's, it's just a matter of like... I was like, okay, I j- well, because it's all me, right? I'm not interacting with somebody else. Yeah. It's all me going like, okay, how did I say that? And, and like, because let's say I do a take seven, seven different ways. The following take of the different, of the next character has to make sense. It has to seem, I'm very proud that my, my videos seem conversational. I get a lot of comments that say like, I forget that it's the same guy. Yeah. And the reason for that is because I try to map out the funniest way to present something from this direction. And then how would, uh, how would a human actually respond visually, you know, like, like listening to someone say something like you need a listening take. You need like a, you know, I call it, I call it a what take. I always have a what take in a video. Like what? Like, you know, if somebody says something ridiculous and you got to catch it, and, and also you got to figure out where they're standing in relation to the camera and all this mm. stuff. It's like, it's very like in depth to make it believable. The number one thing I, t- I tell my editors when they're going through is like bare minimum, like the script does all the heavy lifting of the, of the jokes, but in the performance minimum, it needs to be believable and it needs to be intelligible. Can you hear what I'm saying? Can you hear the setup to the joke? Can you hear the punchline of the joke? And is, does it seem like two people are actually having a conversation? Outside of that, the script does all the heavy So I take it you just sit in the same spot or stand in the same spot, go through all of those scenes in that one take and then yes. move to the different one and then yeah. enter. Okay. So each character is about a 30-minute take. So Daniel's sitting at the piano. Daniel's my like straight man character, wears this black V-neck usually, mm. sitting at the piano. Uh, that'll take... 30 minutes or it'll take an hour and a half if I have to play piano. Cause then I'm also really particular about how I sound on the keys. Mm. Piano videos always take much longer, um, but they get more views generally, not anymore, but anyway. Um, but yeah, it takes a long time. So I'll, so I'll do, I'll do one rolling take for half an hour where I'll just go through the first line. I'll scrub through that five times. I'll go through the next line about five times. I'll go through the next wow. line, next line. And I just methodically go through the whole thing. It's probably, um, my editor might just be pulling the first take of each and then I go back and be like, there's a better take in there. So, so maybe there's a better way for me to do that. Yeah. But you know, what would probably be easier for me is if I actually look at the script. Cause like I just write it until it's done and then I shoot it. Um, what would be easier is if I actually, if I did actor work, like actor prep work and sat down and, and circled lines and wrote about it and stuff, then it would be a much more um, efficient shooting time. But now that I bought a red camera, <laughs> which is, oodles and oodles of data like like terabytes of data for minutes of footage essentially um 
I, I should be more particular about doing prep work so that way we don't waste rolling time. Yeah, here I am thinking like, oh, these are such easy videos to make That's three minutes. It's like, why do you need so thing. many people? I would just sit there and like bang out a video a day like yeah. so easily. I probably could. From, I probably yeah. could. Um, if I were, and I probably should. <laughs> no. But but I'm so, you know, I really like where I'm heading now. I think the the direction that I'm going is strong and I think people can tell that I'm, like, like, for example, I made a video spoofing Hamilton and like that video, it's called uh, how Lin-Manuel Miranda orders a pizza. And that was the first video I shot on a red. And like I rented out a theater. I hired four other actors. I choreographed them just to help me do an imitation of Lin-Manuel Miranda ordering a pizza on the phone. Um, and, and I like taking stupidity so seriously. I think it's great. <laughs> I will say, I didn't know who that was. Really? And that deterred me from watching the video. Okay, that's but, cool. But part of it was like, like I saw the title, I'm like, I don't know who Lin-Manuel Moran yeah, is, I, I but either. it's also kind yeah. of funny that I don't know who he is, but yeah. it's like such a, a He's unique... the guy who wrote Hamilton. Okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So Hamilton's like huge, yeah. you know, it's a big Broadway thing. Anyway, but, uh, but those who do like saw it and were like, what the hell? Like, yeah. you know, um, but... I, I really like where I'm going. And so I bought I bought the red camera because I wanted to be able to have like a like a weapon if I needed mm -hmm. it. You know, I think of everything as a tool to tell jokes with. You know, you know on SpongeBob where like like it's just the regular animation and then suddenly they have like oh, yeah. extreme yeah. close up yeah. of Squidward's yeah. nose it's and like so detailed. Yeah, like that's the kinda, handsome Squidward. Yeah, yeah, and that's kinda why yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's kinda why I got the red That would be funny. It's cause yeah. like it's cause like, you know, sometimes to punctuate a joke to just make it look like real life is like, whoa, now I'm uncomfortable. Now I'm like looking at it from a different angle. Yeah. You know, I just wanna have like a tool belt, just a big old tool belt to tell jokes with. How much was that camera? $40,000. $40,000? Yeah. A car. Yeah. Yeah. I bought it Could you cash. not get like 98% of the same thing with a $3,000 camera? Yeah. I mean, I, my yeah. Canon R5 is like an amazing camera. Yeah. Shoots in 8K also. Um, the average person can't tell the difference, but if I want to be able to submit to like Netflix one day, like I want to be able to have that in house. My dream is to just rent like a house in the middle of nowhere, take my whole team with me, maybe a makeup person, a sound person, and a lighting person, and do something that's an hour long and just make it crazy. Like, like, what's up with me in isolation? <laughs> like, but, I, but I really want to like, just make something with that red camera and just sell it somewhere. Just put it on like HBO or like, you know, I, I, I'm so like excited by the idea that I can make something that could theoretically play in IMAX <laughs> because the camera is so, ridiculous mm. you know that's just really exciting to me it's inspiring I, th I think you know if you get gear that like inspires you to think outside the box and like do something that pushes you that's cool but if you're if you're getting gear because everybody else has it like these like tech youtubers who, who like all have the same like neon backdrop and the same like you know like stick around or, or like, or like <laughs> the same or dinosaur like, skull. Let's, and let's jump right into it. Like, um, you know, like what's up you guys? Like who yeah. says smash that like button? Like what a loser. For the uh, algorithm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but no, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked with like this, like sort of machine that I'm building now. Um, and like, and that's what, why I'm also excited about, I just finally got approved for monetization on Facebook, which is so sick. Mm. And I think of, I think of money now as like, who can I hire with this to help me 
tell better jokes and to like help me make better content. Um, uh, cause the goal again, at the end of the day is to like make people feel a little bit easier. And also I get to drive a Mercedes. So that's nice. too. <laughs> that's your daily driver Mercedes. Yeah. What kind? E450 coupe. Um, I like it a lot. How did good mythical morning happen? You know, link reached out to me on Twitter. Um, I guess his daughter is a big fan and she, so she showed him one of my videos and he did a, he's like, Hey, let's have a meeting. And I was like, okay, sure. You know, I thought he wanted me to like guest star on like an episode of good mythical morning. Cause they just did that with my friend, Charles Cornell, who's a jazz pianist. He's very funny. Um, I was like, Oh cool. I think I might be on good mythical morning. Um, but that's not what the meeting was. It was him and Rhett sitting on zoom opposite me and my assistant Lee and link goes, what do you want to do? And I was like, you mean like in a video or like, he's like, no, just with your career, what do you want? And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, I, I sort of am modeling my career after this person and that person. And I want to do this and I want to do that thing. And I'm working on this and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, great. You know? And then he, this was a year and a half ago. This was a long time mm. ago. Um, and they developed this like, creator accelerator program i'm only one of two people uh who are in it and i'm fairly sure i was the first guy they came to um but it's like this really awesome mentorship thing where they're just showing me like what works for them and they're guiding me in the right direction to like they they basically said like you know, it seems like you don't have a strong work-life balance right now. I was like, I don't. <laughs> and they're like, we know how to, they're engineers. They went to engineering school together. Mm. So they sort of created this machine of content creation um, that's automated and um, still very good to where they're able to have a life, you know? Um, and I think the thing about being a YouTuber is it is very stressful and you will burn out if you're not careful. Like if you're not outsourcing at all and you think you have to do everything yourself, you're going to burn out um, for sure. It's just a matter of time. And so now that I have a team of six to help like catch the net, it's, it's great. It's so much better now. So how does it work with them? Do they them. own a percentage of the channel? Yeah. Okay. So they own a percentage um, in exchange for like cash um, and then I use that cash in specific ways, hiring people, giving my current employees a raise is part of that, mm -hmm. which is great. They encouraged me to give my employees raises. <laughs> um, not that I was against it. It was just like, it was just, <laughs> I was highly against it. Yeah. It was just, it was just, I didn't know the yeah. rate. Like I didn't sure. know the going rate and, and they helped me schedule and give people proper titles and like incorporate well and, and like, you know, tax stuff and all this. And like, was that like them? Or was that some part of their team or someone on their team that was helping you through that process? It was, it was, um, so they have a rep who I talk to, mm. um, every week. And then I talk to them at least quarterly and I'll have like lunches with them and stuff. So everybody knows what everybody else is doing. And, uh, it's amazing. It's really great. And, and so they sort of like, and their rep talks to them as well as the, the, you know, producers with Mythical to be like, what do you think about this? What do you think, you know? And so I get the whole sounding board of like this 100 plus team who's been doing this for years um, to help me hire somebody. 
like to help me like figure out what's the going rate for this what's the you know what should i call this person like um how do i do this basically we're getting to a place to where i can just go i want you know a book uh, i want to write a book then they'll go okay this is what you do you know go ahead and write it and then we'll send it over here i'm like sweet <laughs> it's great it's really nice uh i want merch and then and then they'll go out and try several different um, merch providers or whatever you call that merchandisers uh, <laughs> merchandisers merchants um, <laughs> the I like merchants yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it's it's really nice um, because I'd been doing it by myself for so long now I actually feel like I can um, relax a little bit yeah. I'm approaching 30 like one day I would like to have a family and like, and like, and like in every other relationship I've ever had, it's mm-hmm. always been a problem that I'm working all the time. Like, like on Thanksgiving day, even, even familial relationships, like, like if I, on Thanksgiving day for the past, like several Thanksgivings, I've been editing on Thanksgiving thinking like, if I make just this right video about this Turkey, like mm-hmm. then I'll get a million views and everyone will love me. And like, that's <laughs> not, you know, it's a, we're crazy. Like don't date a YouTuber, please. Like, you know, don't, <laughs> unless they have a team, uh, you know, like, like Graham and I are fine, but, um, it, well, don't you know? Don't don't go for either of us. But you know, it's insane. Like, like it's it's crazy. But I'm very grateful that now I can relax a little bit. I think I answered a question. I don't know if I did or not. I think that I think that was the question. Now, what happens if you went for them and then a month later you're like, ah, it's not working out, or like six months in and you want to back out of the deal? Is was there a clause in there that allowed you to do that if it wasn't a good fit for you? I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about. Yeah. I do know that. I felt very safe to take the risk. Um, um, And there was like some protective provisions to where it was only a win-win, which is great. Can we talk a little bit about finances? Sure. Let's talk about finances. (laughs) I notice at the end of almost every single one of your videos, you have (laughs) a sponsor. Yeah. Right. That's like, that's like what? 85% of your videos, 90 at this point. Probably 99. That's impressive. I've only in the past two or three years, only two videos have not been sponsored. So you must be, you know, pulling (laughs) in a little bit. I'm doing all right. Some Some gravy. Some gravy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I'm very fortunate. And, and I found a way to have a sponsor in every video without it being annoying. Yeah. You have the skit after skit. Yeah. The, the, and now for the sketch after the sketch that happens Mm -hmm. to be paid for. Yeah. And, and like, I only have, you know, my videos are only three minutes long. Mm -hmm. So chances are most people are going to be there at least at the start of the ad, you know, that's true. And so, um, yeah, and brands have been really, really responsive to that, and they 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 like that a lot, and I like that they like that. Yeah, how much of that are you saving? Well, now that my overhead is so much, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, my overhead's pretty high now. Um, I think just to maintain everything, like my house and my employees and stuff, is probably like thirty grand a month just to just to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and stay afloat. So I have to do more than that a month to profit. Sure. And then, um, so, and then also I, I buy stupid stuff a lot. Um, not, I mean, I mean, now I do. Now (laughs) I do. Okay. It took me a while, but now I'm like, these shoes are a thousand dollars. Wait, no. Are you serious? (laughs) You're kidding me. Did you actually buy a thousand dollars? I've only done that twice in my whole life. What shoes? 
the Montclair shoes, and I bought them for a red carpet event, so they're tax write-off. Okay, you have a dinosaur skull in your head. <laughs> it's a replica. Uh, yeah. It's a replica, and that I bought it. Help. I like, bought it. The first one I bought from Wayfair, and then I found a cheaper version. I think at Walmart. <laughs> Seriously, at it's Walmart. This, yeah, Walmart. Yeah. Walmart? So I did a reverse image search. Oh my god! Because uh, Wayfair stopped selling that exact dinosaur skull and sold something slightly different. So I reversed image searched the first dinosaur skull and Man. went back through my email, found it. And then found that I think it was Walmart that sold the exact same thing, but it was even cheaper. Yeah. So they all outsource from the same spot. You know what I will say though, yeah. like this whole this whole idea of like spending to like present yourself a certain way or whatever. I I will say this is like a real thing. Like the like me driving my car, my Mercedes. Right. Um, it's a lease. It probably costs you know fifteen hundred dollars a month with with insurance and the lease. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I mean, I mean yeah. combined, you know. Yeah. Probably, maybe less, maybe less. Okay, I think it is less. I think it's thirteen or okay. something or twelve. Um, anyway, but like the whole thing about like driving to an audition or driving to meet an executive, mm. it it I think in a subliminal way it would instill just a little bit more confidence. Being like that guy seems confident and like powerful and like you know. It, I know that's so shallow, but I live in LA. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's an LA like, thing. It's, it, it, is. it really it is. is. Like it is if you LA live in thing. any other town, yeah. like like Florida, nobody cares, dude. You know, like like. But in LA, if you're meeting with like an executive of like a major network, and you show up in like a 2001 Honda Civic where it leaks when it rains, my old car, <laughs> like right before I got this one, you know, then they're gonna be like, I don't know, can we like trust this guy? Like it's very silly. It's very silly, but. But you do have to play those like. Yeah, I noticed that games. as a real estate agent. Yeah, I was driving a Prius for the longest time. Yeah, and uh, in the beginning, Jason Oppenheim would let me drive his Aston Martin, and he had oh. the Vanquish. Oh. And so, if he wasn't those driving, like two hundred thousand dollars cars, right? more. They're I think handmade, the, aren't they? The MSRP of that car, I think, it was like three fifty uh, or something crazy like that. But yeah. half the day he wasn't driving the car, and so yeah. if I had a showing, I would just take his car, mm-hmm. and I noticed a huge difference. When I pull up in that car versus the Prius. Yeah, man. It could be the same clients, yeah. but when you show up to a really expensive house, all of a sudden people took me a lot more seriously. That's real. Yeah. When I was buying houses, when I, when I was looking for the house that I bought, yeah. like not buying multiple houses. <laughs> when I was buying <laughs> like, houses. Like yeah. when I was shopping for yeah. houses, I, I noticed that, you know, well, I mean, I hadn't had the alternate alternative in my old Honda, but like if I pull up in a Mercedes, like, and I walk out, they're going to show me the house. They're going to like walk with me and look around and yeah. treat me like a serious dude. Cause I'm a, I'm a goofy guy who looks like I'm 20 something. Oh, well I am 20 something. It looks like I'm 21. Like, you know, I look, I look like a scrawny kid, you know, who's just geeking around. And, uh, but if they see me pull up in, in this thing, then they're like, okay, let me give you my card. Let's talk about it. You know, let's, um, I will tell you how many offers we got on this yeah. thing. I will tell you, you know, it's a weird game. Like, it's weird. Um, That's true. Yeah. Could you tell us about the house you bought? I don't know if you want to discuss that. Uh, yeah. I bought a house from a guy who was in very famous commercials. <laughs> and uh, I bought his house. That was really cool. Did you, did you know it was his house going into it? Yeah. Did that make you want to buy it? Yeah. because what's interesting is like advertiser money bought that house for him and advertiser money (laughs) bought that house for me and what's really funny about it is like after it's it's isaiah musafa it's the guy who like was the old spice guy who's like look at your man now back to me now back at your man now back to me i bought his house from him like (laughs) which is so sick and like in the guest bathroom um his he or 
somebody left behind two Old Spice body washes underneath the sink. And so I have them on display in that bathroom now. But this house is sexy. Like, it's so cool. It's I, a really neat house. I barely had to do anything with it. And, like, it's such a beautiful house. And I'm so grateful. Um, but, like, it's a fun story, too. Like, it's just cool to have, like, this guy's house. Like, <laughs> You ever meet him or no? No, but he follows me on Instagram, which is oh, cool. Nice. Why didn't you get to meet him? You would think that... Usually once the all contingencies are removed, yeah. you go through a final walkthrough and the seller's there to like greet you. I and think he's just busy. Really? And also he didn't know who I was at the time. Okay. Like, like if I, you know, I, I would not want to sell anything to a geeky YouTuber. Like, no way. <laughs> like, you know. He sees it, your offers like, no, I, not that If one. I was like an Emmy award winning actor, like, yeah. no, I, you know, but he's like a big, he's a big movie star now. He's where doing, did he move to? Do you know? I don't know. Someplace where he could have land. I think he has like horses now or something. I'm not sure. Uh, Wasn't there an ad of him as a horse, though? Oh, no, on a horse. On a horse. Yeah. So now he did. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, that is something I do yeah. remember. Yeah. I'm on a horse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Your tickets are now diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool, man. Because that's a funny ad. And, yeah. like, and like that was inspiration for me to start making my sketches, my sketches after the sketch, mm. like funny ads that aren't just an ad read on a teleprompter. It's more so like, you know, I'm like, how do I make this interesting? And my brother and I, uh, my brother Dylan and I, when we were kids, we would play this game called sell this or whatever. And so we would pull out like a Coke and we would, we would make like goofy jokes about Coca-Cola and try to figure out like, how do, how would we sell this to people? And so now I do that for a living. That's how that's I make a majority of my money. That's really cool. How long do you expect to keep this house for? I want to keep it as long as I can. I want to use it as a rental. If I book this thing that I'm currently running for, I'll be away from the house for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have employees, so you can't rob me. Haha. <laughs> but uh, like, I, I, I would keep it and maybe rent it out as an Airbnb or, or do, um, long, long-term rental. Cause I want to hold on to it. I really love where it is and, uh, just what it is. Got it. I got a random yeah. offbeat question, but why don't you, or why didn't you stretch out your videos to eight minutes to throw in mid-roll, mid-roll ads? Because all of your videos are very, very short. Comedy is all about trimming the fat. If you add too much fat, like SNL sketches, the ones that aren't funny are because they went on too long, hmm. you know? And I'd rather, I'd rather tell stronger, punchier jokes. Like even three minutes for me is pushing it. Hmm. You know, it's hard to keep somebody's attention, especially with TikTok now. Yeah. They get the funniest thing in less than 60 seconds. That's why. I, on the videos where I do go past eight minutes, I do get double ad rev, but, but a, a lion's share of my income, most of my income is from sponsors. So it doesn't really matter as much. Can you allocate some percentages to where your income's coming from? I would say, uh, I would say seventy five percent of my income is from sponsors, and, and twenty five is twenty five is ad revenue. Yeah, and you have no other sources of income. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause all I, in YouTube because I don't yeah. do merch. Yeah, I'm I'm going to. Yeah, but that's where Mythical comes in. They're they're helping me turn on all the faucets. In last week, I just got monetized on Facebook, and just in a week on Facebook, I'm already paying for one of my employees full time. That's incredible. Just in one week. You know why? Because your videos are so short, mm-hmm. yeah, they're and they apply to anybody. Uh, I remember for the first six months, I started posting videos on Facebook, and I was paying a company out of pocket to post these videos. Yep. And they take what's already on the channel, but condense it down, add yep. subtitles. So they take a 10-minute video, take it down to like five, six minutes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it bombed wow. the finance videos because it's it's only u.s based uh english mm. speaking and a very narrow focus on facebook very niche, yeah. where facebook content tends to be global yeah so your content is perfect way better than mine is for facebook i'm excited i'm really excited about it and i and i um hope to continue growing on facebook i've heard from several creators saying that facebook ad revenue is higher than 
than YouTube ad rev. So if I can do that, then yeah. suddenly I'm paying for all my employees just within Facebook and then merch comes in. Uh-huh. And then, you know, if I do a book or whatever tour again, then all of that sort of will pay for like cooler projects. Yeah. I could rent out locations and like get a crew. Can you talk to us about your thoughts on potentially maybe doing creator clash? Yes. I, I, I may or may not be involved in that. Um, uh, but there's a lot of things on my plate right now to where I don't know if I am even able to. Um, but I thought about it and I do, did do boxing, uh, lessons for a bit. Um, but, uh, my, when I toured just now, my yeah. shoulder tore up just from me carrying around a keyboard. So it's probably not the best move. Oh, anyway. that's convenient. <laughs> like, which is so, right. I know, I know, but, but I, we talked about it when you came yeah, over to my house. I told, we talked you, about this I told you to do it, but you had yeah. to be dedicated to it. Yeah. And like, we'll see. I don't know if I, if I end up doing it. Cool. If I don't also cool. Like, but it would be, it would be fun. And also it's in my hometown. It's in Florida. Like, like I was supposed yeah. to be there. Um, to watch your fight um, at the Youngling Center, right? And I'm from St. Pete, Florida, which is right next to Tampa. And, um, you know, and I hung out with uh, Moist Critical just a couple weeks before that happened anyway. Mm -hmm. But I was was asked to to host the commencement address at my college um, that same week. Oh, okay. But that was so cool. Like, that was cool. I got to introduce Amy Poehler. Like, that's sick. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah, I, can't, I can't wait for the next creator clash, though. <laughs> That'll be cool. I'll, be, be, I'll great. be there. Like yeah. I would, I would, I'd watch it at least. Yeah. Um, depending on where I am in the world, I bet he'll be able to uh, surpass the first one. It's really hard to like make I it bet. better than the first, but I think he could do it because the first one people didn't know what to expect. That's what it is, though. And yeah, yeah. But they, they, now yeah. the second one is going to be like he's got to hit that second one. I, I'm like, sure. He yeah. Will. I think a I, lot of big creators saw the first one. And they're like, wow, that was a success. I want to do it so we can have yeah, access yeah. to higher talent. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Shout out to him. He yeah, raised a yeah. lot of money for charity. Yeah. That's great. He'll be able to grow this into something huge. Imagine this. He could take it now every year yeah. and do a creator clash, but take it bigger and bigger and bigger and like, you know, go to 15,000 people sure. stadium, 20,000 arenas. Yeah. yeah. And he'll be able to, to get better in each, each one. A million percent, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and it's a, it was already a proven concept, this whole idea of like celebrity death match, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's already been proven. So he's just took it. He's like, this is an idea. Let me use this for good and then yeah, but make the, a monster. But the crazy thing is that, um, you know, the Logan Paul one, the Jake Paul, had been successful. But then afterwards, that, what was it, the Ace, uh, the Ace Family one? Just seemed to oh God, bomb. Oh, it yeah. was so bad. And but they make no, 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 content no, for kids, the right? Austin McBroom? Oh, was he uh, an Ace Family yeah. guy? That's oh. the Ace Family oh, guy. Oh, oh, oh. I forget yeah. what it was, where he fought Bryce Hall. And I think just oh, nobody, yeah. nobody yeah, no one got watched paid. it. Nobody yeah. got paid. It was well, such a disaster. Everyone illegally streamed it. Yeah, but there was a lot of skepticism, I feel like, after that, where Ian had to overcome those obstacles of just, mm-hmm. like, that was the last perception mm. that people had of boxing. Is like, oh, yeah, Bryce Hall, Austin McBroom, nobody watched, everyone just watched. There's history, a difference like between, said. like, YouTubers and TikTokers, yeah. though, I think. Like, Bryce Hall's mainly a TikToker, yes. right? Yes, but I just feel like pretty big. Yeah, but I feel like YouTubers have, like, a stronger connection with their audience. I don't know. Or there's something about it. And also, like, Bryce Hall, like, Probably appeals to a lot of like children, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Oh, he's like, gonna call you out, man. <laughs> Whatever. He's gonna box you. Call me out, dog. Whatever. <laughs> like, anyway. 
I don't know who's audience. <laughs> Children. I don't know. It's like kids, right? I know. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the tour. Sure. So you went and played live in front of audiences? Yeah, I did a... It's a really crazy interactive show that I do with a projector, and it's very planned out, and I interact with the projector, and it's very like... You know, it's written like a play, mm-hmm. and it's an hour 15, and there's allotted time for me to improvise with the audience and, and do fun stuff. Like, I have clips on Instagram doing millions of views because from me getting random words and making up songs about those random mm. words. Like, it's sick. I love it so much. And I only did a five-city leg, but I'm going to – I would like to do it again. Um, it was insane. What are the economics behind it? Isn't that a really high overhead? It's it is, yeah. It's really high. Yeah. And I and I went and into it thinking I was going to lose money. Yeah, I went into it being told that I would be in the red, um, but I came out. I doubled every uh, expectation they had, um, which is great because <laughs> yeah. I would rather not be in the red. But it was uh, it was very. Um, I did not do tour for the money. I did it because I wanted to meet people and I wanted to like practice like being funny in front of an audience um, to like sharpen the sword, you know? Because like if you're in that bubble of the internet and you're reading comments, you don't know. But hearing an audible laugh after a joke tells me, okay, my instincts here, I can use that in the next video and I can use this and that. And uh, it just made me a better comedian, I guess. Mm. Um, but when I do it again, it's a lot of overhead. But now I know, now I have the data to be like, okay, I sell to about this size house. And uh, how many go, people were showing up? It was about 300 a venue, something like that. Wow. Um, uh, ish, three, two, 300. But it, everything was like 80, 85, 90% sold out, hmm. which is good because there was cancellations because I sure. had COVID. And then, you know, people would refund and then new people would come in. But it ended up being okay. But now that I have like more of an audience on Facebook and Instagram, the challenge is like, what really sucks is people will watch my videos and go, I didn't even know you were there. Cause like, it's hard. I hate promoting. You have to. You know, you yeah. have to for live stuff. And like next go around, I would rather like really focus on targeted Facebook ads for people who are likely to know who I am. Cause they don't, even like fans who have known me for years, like they're not gonna watch every video. So chances are they're not gonna watch the one video where I talk about going on tour and, and then they're gonna miss it and it's in their hometown, you know? Like, so that's the big challenge that I have with, with touring is like. Danny Duncan seems to put it at the very end of his videos as like a, like a card where it says like tour dates and he puts all the dates in the cities on the end of every one of his videos when he's mm, going on tour. That's smart. Yeah. See, that's what I, that's, I kind of had something similar-ish, but I think I need to, I'll, I'll get better about that yeah. too, especially for TikTok and, and uh, Instagram reels maybe. Yeah. Are you pretty strict on yourself with regards to retention? So for example, if you threw that in at the end of the video, would you worry that that could somehow lower the retention and hurt performance? It would be three seconds or less. Mm-hmm. Um, I am strict on it, um, but yeah, it would be really quick. Or you could make it a pausable moment where you just go boop and it's the card and then leave it alone. So that way maybe there's an uptick in retention for people who want to go back and gamify it and pause it. Hmm. Um, that's probably what I would end up doing next time. It'd be funny to put in a free ticket somewhere in every video, <gasps> but they have to find it. It just flashes on screen so people have to find it and then pause it. Or that's they have to watch idea. it like 0.25 really speed. Yeah. It's on there for like an eighth of a second and Whoa. they have to find it. That's brilliant. I might do that. I would Shout try, to Graham, but the I would try to see time. what happens. One free ticket per video. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And That's, you could always pin a, pin a uh, comment at the very top yeah, and just yeah, yeah. reiterate, hey, 
So take it in here. Yeah. Got to screenshot it, type in a code, and it'll Pinning be comments to you. are so good. Yeah. For call to action, for like, follow me on Instagram, follow me on da da da. I love pinned comments, man. Yeah. The best. Now, why put so much emphasis on like TV or Netflix versus just doing what you're doing on YouTube? Because you could do, you could get probably just as many views on YouTube, for have sure, full yeah. control over it, make yeah. all the money, not get the, you know, yeah, give rights doing, away. On all platforms, I'm doing at least. 30 million views a month. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, and that's better than a lot of shows, you know? Yeah. Um, so honestly, just to meet the right people to enable me to tell late, better stories later. Cause I, I look young right now and that's great for the internet, but maybe I won't 10, 15 years from now. And I don't know how appealing that's going to be to the people on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. I would like to make a movie um, myself. So I guess like, me starring in a show or a movie would be me entering on the ground floor, which is so backwards. Um, but that would be my way of like meeting the right people, shaking the right hands, learning how to be a showrunner, learning what, what it takes to create a successful work environment and also who to hire like gaffers and like DPs and stuff to be able to create something fantastic. I really love how Donald Glover, um, AKA Childish Gambino Mm -hmm. used to have the number one sketch comedy channel on YouTube. A lot of people don't know that he had a comedy channel called Derek comedy, which had like 160,000 subs back then. Um, he was above Smosh, you know, for a while. And, and, uh, then he was able to leverage that and get a writing job, um, you know, on, um, 30 rock. And then he like became a star on community. And now he created his own show on FX Atlanta as a smash hit, but his trajectory was, you know, he, he shook the right hands and he knew the right people to where he was able to make something substantial and, and respected and critically acclaimed. Mm. And so like, it's not, and, and me wanting to do that is not a matter of me just wanting to make something critically acclaimed. Honestly, I want to just hire more artists. Like I want to hire more actors and more people, more, more, uh, writers and people who are good at what they do, but don't know how to monetize it. Like I want to find those people and give them jobs um, that's kind of why I want to, I want to scale up versus like, you know, doing it all myself. I could technically edit and write everything myself, but I like the idea of like, you know, a guy who would be working as a, like my creative producer, his last job was doing the census, like knocking on doors. Really? Yeah. He's from Harvard. So okay. he, he probably felt like he was doing a service to the world. And I'm sure he was, but, but like, you know, now he gets to write jokes. Yeah. And I had one of those census people come up to the house so many times. That's probably him. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably Scott. <laughs> I forget if I would just not be interested, but then they would just come back over and over and over and over again. What hard do you job. do? You just sign the, your name on the paper? No, it's like a survey that you fill out. They want mm. everyone to fill it out. It's together. how the government like figures yeah. out how many people are living in areas and yeah. stuff and what their income is and just getting demographics. Oh. Oh. What's one thing you think you could do better with your current business? I think I need to be more involved. I always feel this way, but I think I, I uh, which is so ironic because I just talked about outsourcing everything, but, but I think like, there's one thing I could do better. Well, definitely like now that I'm improving my gear, I think, I think I need to start really looking into like a lot of my team. I sort of trained up from the, from a base knowledge. I think the next time I hire somebody, it's going to be somebody who has way more knowledge about something than I do. Like, mm-hmm. like a, like a director of photography, like a good DP, like who knows how to light a scene, you know? Um, versus me buying the lighting gear and being like, what if I bounced it off the roof? You know, that's something I could be better at is outsourcing to people who are really strong, um, uh, 
at, at things. So they pull you up. Rather so they than pull me up rather than up. me training people up, right. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And merch. I'm figuring out merch. Uh, that's something I haven't really accessed yet, but I'm working on it. Uh, but in terms of content, yeah, I don't know, man. Probably title thumbnail game, probably. Because hmm. like on TikTok. The thumbnails are a bit blurry, I've noticed. Do you think? Yeah. Blurry. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Lin Manuel, little niche. I feel. Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe he's extremely famous. The thing I, is, that video on TikTok, two million views. That video on hmm. YouTube, five hundred thousand. So, definitely, what's limiting me on YouTube right now is my is my title. Thumbnail do you need game. to know who Lin Manuel is to make it funny, or no? You tell me. <laughs> I think I don't know. Who that is. Watch I that think you need to watch after. it. It's so stupid and ridiculous. Got it. Okay. Um, that I'm really curious, actually. Okay, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, it's very silly, okay. but but I'm excited to keep like, you know, making really stupid big content hmm. yeah. for no reason at all. Generally, I found that the more generic you are and mm-hmm. broad based, the better the videos you're going to do. Really? Like the instrument personality thing, yeah. every anyone who's ever played an instrument would watch that video. Interesting. Yeah. I always try to think it, the at least for my titles, every word you put in distills the audience just like a little bit. So the the more I could convey oh. with fewer words, the better. Fascinating. Yeah. Like let's just say like investing for beginners. Now everyone who's not a beginner is not going to watch the video. Investing for beginners, how to start a Roth IRA. Now you've distilled it even more. Now it's like oh beginners who want to invest a Roth. So I really try to You're make it as your broad as possible. Yeah. That's interesting. I find that when you go really specific, like I like I did a video called when you make a tritone in medieval times. Well, when you hit a tritone in medieval times, yeah. that's a very specific joke. Yes, but it's, but, that, but everyone knows the medieval times. Yeah. So I still but think that it's, did like, yeah. but like not everybody knows what a tritone is. So like that video did like 7 million views yeah. or something like that. But that to I, me I made seems a, a good title. I made a super general video called how to play piano. And I thought, and everybody on my comments has been asking me how no. to play piano. Didn't even hit a million. No. So, that could long tail though. That's probably going to do really well over a year. Or that's two. probably yeah. Right. That's probably right. So so that's you know I don't know. It's a weird game. YouTube's mm-hmm. algorithm. I don't know if it's an algorithm algorithm thing or you know I'm sure it's my bad and how I'm packaging it. But I think um, TikTok does such a better job at just like shotgunning content to everybody. And if it's good, it gets rewarded on TikTok much more easily than like I'll know a video wasn't good if it does four hundred thousand views on YouTube and. 400,000 views on TikTok. That's when I'm like, okay, that's where it lives, you know? Yeah. But if a video did 400,000 views on YouTube, but 15 million on TikTok, then I'm like, it's a packaging problem. Yeah, no, sometimes I've had videos do well on one, but not the other. Yeah. Like some do really well on YouTube, bomb on TikTok and vice versa. Yeah. I cannot find any correlation that says one will do better than the other. That's why it's so important to, to be on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and you know YouTube because too many platforms. I know. I think eventually it's going to all condense down to one. But the fact has to Disney Disney (laughs) Plus Plus. Plus. Yeah. But if you but if you do like a uh, Disney Squared Disney Squared (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny. Someone will do that. They'll steal. But like the idea that you can quadruple dip content right now and earn 4x the mm-hmm. ad revenue on it that's something that i'm really excited to like get into yeah. so that way i can employ more people and make better <laughs> stuff this should be a, a, yeah. a platform that aggregates all the social medias together in one. Oh, so you, that, so that would you type be in smart. like you type oh. in daniel thrasher and it shows like your instagram post snapchat just like so it just shotguns it to all these different platforms no just so you're, you're talking about on the receiving yeah end yeah, yeah so i'd user. be able to search oh. as a user 
one person, but get all of their content in one page. Wow. Because there's so many different platforms. It would be cool too. to just drag a video and title it in descript- no. yeah. description and it just puts it on every single platform. That would be sick. They have that already for the podcast. So we use Anchor, the streaming oh, service, yeah. and it already puts it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It does everything and I upload it to one thing. But it'd be cool with like actual video content. Yeah. Wow. I hope well, I'm there not we being... go. We just uh, came up with something. That's huh? a great idea. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not being boring, by the way. I feel, I feel no, like no, I'm, this is great. I feel, no. like I'm, I feel like I'm so like insane on the internet and now I'm sitting down here. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I drive a car. Like, no, yeah. This is great. I love it. Tell, yeah. us a, tell us a joke. Yeah. Be funny. Make uh, us laugh. Okay, you ready for this one? It's yeah. a knock-knock joke. You start. Ready? Knock-knock. I'm not going to answer the door. You going to get the Who's door? There? Who's there? What? Knock-knock. Who's there? This joke is it's just for the audience. It's not, it's not a good one. <laughs> do I, do I, am I not getting the joke? <laughs> it's not a good one, yeah. This joke, yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> is, the joke, is the joke over? The joke's over. That was a joke. I just started weeping. And like, like, all right, that was our podcast, everybody. I'm just like, I'm failed. It wasn't meant to be funny. Anything you want to bring up? Yeah. Anything you want to talk about? Like any topics that you feel we didn't cover? Anything you want to mention? World peace. What's your biggest insecurity? What is my biggest insecurity? I feel more secure now than ever. Um, that's a great question. I've never been asked that question before outside of romantic partners. <laughs> um... <laughs> I feel so secure right now because I have, because I have a team. I guess, I guess my biggest desire, I guess, is to be respected by my peers, mm. you know, sincerely respected by my peers. Cause there was a period of time there where I felt like comedy people thought I was using music as a crutch and music people thought I was using comedy as a crutch. So like I was like weaseling my way in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my biggest desire, like my hope is to be respected by people that I also respect. And I think I'm getting there, but I'm not quite there. So maybe that's my, my soft spot. You know, if somebody that I really like was like, yeah, the video did well, but I don't think you're funny, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, like, I don't want to be labeled as like an Instagram comedian type guy who's like, boing, you know, like <laughs> looking at like butts yeah. and stuff. Like that's so, <laughs> you know, I really hope people don't think that. Because whenever I meet people, they assume that my demo is like children. And I'm like, why? You know, <laughs> Why do you think that? Do you not like, you know, do you know what I mean? So like, maybe that's, maybe that's a little bit of an insecurity, but I, you know, I hope to keep evolving and, and like get better at that. That's um, cool. So that's, that's, yeah, I'm very, I'm in a very like lucky, great. I'm very, very grateful. And I, and I hope to do this at least be an entertainer for the rest of my life. And I know I will be, um, because I'm so incredibly careful about who I surround myself with. Um, having friends like you, uh, people who are level-headed, like mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in the comedy world and the music world, turn to substances and, and, you know, vices and stuff like that. And I'm very much not that type of person. So I really am like, am like singularly focused on entertaining people until I crook. <laughs> hmm. So that's, I'm very grateful that I'm that type of person. My parents are nurses. My mom is a nurse and my dad is a nurse. They both have worked in hospitals their whole lives. My sister's a nurse. My other sister works in the hospital, you know, like everybody in my family's in medicine. And, um, they were very good about raising me well, uh, and, and not being silly. Uh, you know? So like when I moved yeah. to LA, like there was very little concern of me, like doing getting caught up stupid and, LA yeah. stuff. That's good. Clubbing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've literally been yeah. to clubs maybe twice in my entire life. Yeah. 
and people think I'm a crazy guy and like, <laughs> you know, they could, they could be like, Hey, it's 9 PM. Like you want to come meet us at this bar? No, I have no, I'm comfy in bed. Like I'm reading on my Kindle. Like, like leave me alone. You know, like, yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. I think we're good. I have one more question. question. Okay. Yeah, sure. What's one thing everyone should do in their life at least once? Hit the like button. No, no, don't subscribe. Follow me on Instagram. That's what they should do. But what a what else? bonus is to hit the like button and subscribe for the YouTube algorithm. Um, what's one thing everybody should do in their life? I'd say learn an instrument. I was kind of baiting you into answering that, but let's see like if you can answer. I don't think that's the answer. <clears throat> Some people should not ever touch an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> one thing is that a diss at Nickelback? Dude, listen. You listen to me. My my freshman year of high school, I was listening to the Dark Horse Nickelback album on repeat. I was trying to convince people, like, no, this Nickelback album's really good. But that's that's different. That's a byproduct of me being from Florida. Okay, Um, what's something everybody should do in their lives? I think make an attempt to sincerely try for something you might fail at, because some people live their whole lives playing in the safe zone. So I think everybody, just to be as vague as possible, but, but everybody in their life should make a sincere attempt at something they're afraid to do. Whatever that means for you. Read the book, uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, and that will highlight more of what I'm talking about. So I think everybody should read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. <laughs> cool. Great answer. Thanks so much right. for coming on, man. Thank nice you, man. meeting you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Appreciate nice. it. Nice meeting you. Thanks for doing this. I've met you before. Yeah, one time. Do we make out at the end? How does this work? That's how we end it. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Lean in. And ready. So we're going to turn <laughs> so off the cameras. Thank you guys so much. But first, we'll get a free stock down below in the description when you sign up for public.com. down below. Delicious. Make Shout out, out Daniel. Check his stuff out down yeah. below. Thank you so much for watching. Cool. And until next time. See ya. Thanks, folks. That was awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. That was fun.